0: Thank you Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Front Wing Damage. Today, we're going to review the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, first of all, apologies for the late upload. Uh, we ran into a lot of technical glitches and, you know, it was just a mess. Hopefully this time, this is our second time recording the whole episode. So you guys better be grateful and and share the podcast. Oh, shit. Share the oh, podcast. Shit. <laughs>
1: better be grateful. Eh?
0: <laughs> it's the second time we're recording this. Yeah, fingers crossed. It sounds. It sounds good. So, Siddharth, how are you mate?
1: I'm no. I'm. I'm fine. I'm uh, great. Uh, buzzing. Still buzzing uh, after that battle uh, performance. Uh,
0: uh yeah. it's, it's the Thursday.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a Thursday, and we're still buzzing after the battle performance. That, yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, we, we planned to t- we we told in this uh, the first episode of the season that we we will talk about F two as well and obviously we had F two in Monaco so we're gonna dive a bit into the that side of the paddock uh, how how would you rate the F two F two weekend this time
1: oh it was the confluence of absolute talent and at the same time for some people disaster and uh, no luck so. I mean, we had a highlight, a few highlights uh, during the weekend, which uh, encompassed uh, Liam Lawson, Oscar Piastri, Theo, Theo, Pushwer, Theo Pushwer, and uh, Dan Dictum. Uh, and then you had a few people who had a dismal performance. Like Robert Schwartzman did decent, but yeah, he wasn't that great. Then uh, Jehan Daruvala was very unlucky. And yeah. yeah, all in all, you know. And we had uh, what's his name, Delada, uh, who, is a, who is a joker. Delada, yeah. Del who's an absolute
0: joker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, he uh, he didn't make it into the session at all, but still was an allowed to yeah. race.
1: So yeah, uh, yes.
0: obviously, uh, out of the list you told, you know, you said you mentioned loss in i I definitely felt all of them put really consistent performances, and it is the first time driving in Monaco. And an F2 car, which is very heavy. And, you know, it's not that easy to, you know, flick around like F1 cars. So, um,
1: right.
0: yeah. So, they delivered a lot of good performances. But, you know, to take out, like, who would you, if you were to pick only one, who would you pick?
1: I mean, I've told like, this before. Air push yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah, he got pole it's position. It's a common option for anybody,
0: I think. Yeah, he's definitely, yeah. I mean, pole position in Monaco. Uh, and a race and a feature race win at the age of 17. Man's like arguably better than what max was at his age. I'm just putting it out yeah, there because yeah. his F3 record is very, very impressive as well. It it it's up. There with, really quick. His yeah he's up there with Max yeah. in, term, in in his F3 record. Uh also yeah I mean he's just bossing it in F2 man. He's he's outperforming Christian That's
1: what I'm saying, you know, he's just, yeah, yeah, he's just overall, it's not like, you know, certain drivers are good at this, good at that. But so far, what I've watched, he's phenomenal in all aspects.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, Another, obviously, for me, though, I think, I think even um, Dan Tickterm was, was within a shout of the driver of the weekend. You know, obviously winning today. the one of the sprint races because of losses, disqualification. Yeah. But overall, mm-hmm. through the weekend, he was just really consistently quick. Uh, unfortunately, in the feature race, uh, he was trying to get around. Um, I, I don't remember who it is, but he was trying to go around the outside of Raskas and he just ended up in the wall. Um, yeah, was, he
1: had a big, big lockup. A huge yeah. lockup, and uh, the car was understeering big time. Uh, yeah, you know, the exactly. previous few corners, and it just did not turn.
0: Yeah, he he just ran himself into the wall, basically. Uh, but yeah, overall, like he was super mature, and he he, he isn't the the aggressive kid, uh, just careless driver he was before. He's definitely mature yeah. a lot. So, TikTok definitely yeah, oh, yeah, he yeah. was was very impressive. Plus, he's driving Sunoda's chassis, which gives him a slight advantage because Sunoda's chassis from last season is brilliant. So,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So, this should give him more confidence to chuck the car around a little more here and there. Um, yeah, o- overall, you know, the F2 season... F2 season?
0: <laughs> F2 race. F2 race.
1: Yeah, well, it was uh, very exciting. And it has given all his... F1 fans, uh, an insight on what we can expect uh, over the next uh, 10-12 races.
0: Yeah. You know, I think Baku is going to be interesting for F2. Let's see, because you can kind of figure out who's going to struggle already because their chassis, their cars, they they don't look up to the pace. So, I think we're going to see some pretty interesting stuff in Baku, plus Baku F2 races are always a madness. Uh, there's loads of crashes. Yeah. There. there's loads of incidents. You know, C1 is uh, C1's like insane in F2, so that's something to be excited for uh, next time around. The next race is Baku as well, so yeah, and so, so it's, it's gonna be super exciting. Uh, plus one thing I would like to add is you know you have these talents we we definitely we which we spoke about you know uh who are definitely F1 material and um you know Theo Porsche Oscar Piastri Liam Lawson perhaps even the Robert Schwartzman, Dan Tickton, uh all these drivers they are F1 material uh their potential F1 material so That's right yeah. but in F1 but in F1 you already have 20 drivers and you look at those 20 drivers, and then you go, are they are they that bad? Because I I'm I'm I've been watching F1 for 13 years, and these 20 drivers are uh, is this, this this is the strongest grid in Formula One for a long long time. Like
1: yes. this could be
0: one of the strongest grids ever. I mean, you look at each driver's junior record, or that Formula One record. It's it's just so good. You know, it's a, it's a grid where you know, uh, like a Nico Hulkenberg, he's dropped yes. out and the quality hasn't dipped at all, you know. So, uh, how are you going to fit these junior drivers there as a team? Like, you know, because these drivers, uh, these F1 drivers are already so good. So, that's the dilemma in F1 here. There's only, and crazy. exactly, not just
1: that, you know, it's hard to replace the current F1 drivers knowing that you have regulation changes. Knowing that you may not be able to extract the best performance out of the rookies because you, we all know the amount of money that is uh, that plays uh, uh, that lies in the constructors championships of bringing a rookie, whether that works exactly. or not.
0: Yeah. No, and plus, not everyone's a Hamilton, not everyone's a Vettel, you know, doing yeah, do, do fantastic. Thanks for a pl- uh, pl- uh,
1: thanks for seeing Vettel also.
0: Yeah, because Vettel is a phenomenal rookie, um. and <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, you know. So that's why, like, uh, I think we need to see new teams at this point. Like, we need four more seats in, in Formula One. Like, I remember when there was 24 teams and you had a constant stream of rookies. You know, Ricciardo got his break because there was 24 seats. Uh, that was Jules Bianchi, you know. I mean, that was a good rotation of talent when there were 24 seats. But when there's 20, I just feel it's a bit more restricted. So I just, I think F1 needs to you know um, get in the teams you know make it more investment friendly and I think they're doing I think from twenty twenty two with the 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 closer regulations and you know the cost gap yeah. I think I think it might attract uh, so a few teams plus plus F1's broadcasting revenue would have soared up uh, after the pandemic yes. <laughs> so I, I think there's definitely enough prize money involved. Uh, to attract teams, I just hope it happens because there's some these the, the talent needs to go somewhere. Uh, it it need, I mean these are top quality talents you know in Formula Two they need to go somewhere, right? and uh, F one just doesn't have the space at the moment. Uh, so they I think F one needs to broaden up a bit.
1: Exactly. Uh, so I mean, but what can you do as such? Let's see. Yeah, just,
0: yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Customer teams would be good though. Like, you know, uh, buying the chassis off another team, like an IndyCar. That's Um,
1: that's smart, but... Customer teams would be be very
0: smart, yeah. Customer teams would be really smart. Plus, Plus, these teams are going to be back market teams. You just got to make it, I don't know, I think economically feasible, like, so that they get some return on investment despite coming last. You know what I mean? Mm. It can't be a harsh situation because harsh is like a huge uh, hole in the uh, hole in the wallet. It's just like a money something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they get nothing out of uh, coming last now. So I think you gotta try and change that a bit.
1: Yeah, you know, the, 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 I've always said this uh, that uh, you require drivers to have a reason. To come into a race weekend these days. Roman Gurushan, I I listened to the whole Roman Gurushan podcast, and he says, you know, uh, it was fun coming to a race weekend, but we knew we were not going to be competitive. We knew that all we could, you know, all that we could finish was max to max 18th or 17th, which really does not give the drivers right now any sort of encouragement or the drive, that push, that flair for them to go and find every tenth of a second.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. So yeah, yeah. No, we better not get into this tangent of new teams and stuff. I think that's a that's a debate for another day. Uh, obviously, we're
1: here.
0: To, uh, we're here to talk about the Monaco Grand Prix. So let's get straight into Formula One. The weekend. Uh, so qualifying, you know, in Monaco is super important. And we, uh, qualifying never fails to disappoint, you know. You always have that red flag, you always have that controversy and we did have it this time around with, in Q3 with Leclerc binning it out of uh, the sw- swimming pool section. Um, yes. th- this, made that, this meant that Max and Bottas were uh, way quicker in the first sector. They couldn't improve on that time. And I believe even Carlos Sainz was uh, quicker than before. So uh, yeah. this meant, like Charles Leclerc started on pole position, but unfortunately, we all knew that uh, the gearbox might have been damaged because at that angle, uh, he hit the wall at a at an angle, like hit the rear of the car by yeah. the gearbox is placed, hit the wall, and that could have meant gearbox damage. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: Siddharth do you want to? Yeah. So what on?
1: usually happens is, you know, gearbox and your PU unit and everything are. Designed oh, to operate f- the
0: guys uh, For the new fans listening, PU is power unit. That's the engine. Oh, it's not pre
1: university. <laughs> oh, shit. I oh, forgot.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Hey, <laughs> 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 Siddharth, don't make me chuck you out of this podcast, man. Ay, that's such a bad joke. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I apologize. I apologize on behalf of Siddharth for that joke. We'll move on quickly. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, so yeah, we have certain <laughs> we have certain things like the PU and the gearbox and everything, which are supposed to be operating at very low range of disturbance or vibrations or anything like that. But then, when you have such an impact on the side of the car which houses the gearbox, it does call for speculations uh, whether the gearbox could be damaged or not you know, even a slight disturbance to the position or a slight disturbance to the working of the gearbox could create huge implications, as we all know. Formula One is such a specific, time-specific um, uh, sport. But Mattia Bernardo has come out saying that uh, Leclerc's gearbox failure could have been. Could you know? It's not uh, uh, sure that. It was triggered because of his crash. It could have been for some other reasons also because what happened was Ferrari that night, they went and checked the gearbox in terms of aesthetic, uh, the looks of it uh, and tried making it work a little and it worked but then the next morning when he tried the warm-up lap, clutch to first worked, and then your first to second one but then after that uh, the whole thing was gone.
0: Yeah, we all know the story, we all know the team radio and stuff so that basically when Max started on first although he's not allowed to go into the first grid slot uh he, yeah. you have to start in the grid slot you you uh, qualified in um so yeah. yeah you know we had a good start you know has actually got a good launch but because it's such a short and tight run down Max could just cover the inside pretty well and pretty aggressively uh and yeah you know Max was off uh the first the first part of the race was very very interesting you know because uh, okay, Max, the leader, let, let's say he was a pace setter. Uh, at a point, um, uh, most of the times in the first stint, he was the fastest, right? Um, yes. And Bottas was about three, four tenths slower. And then in, you had Carlos Sainz in third. You know, they, they were just following the lap time in the, of the car in front. Um, but two drivers who were incredibly quick. Was uh, P seven and P eight, if I'm not wrong, that is Fettel uh, and Perez. They both were matching Max Verstappen's time, uh, up in front. Like I believe that's was only one tenth difference in mm-hmm. the laps, and at a point, Fettel was the the second fastest driver uh, in terms of pace in the in the whole in the whole track. So that that was a bit weird because normally you don't see drivers in seventh and eighth. You know, challenging the times of the guy in first, right? Yeah. So, yeah. plus, yeah, and you know, uh, Hamilton he might have gone faster if if Gasly wasn't in front of him, but he didn't really close the gap to Gasly in the first tent at all. So yeah, so that's why that's why I noticed that was a bit weird compared to other races because that's the nature of Monaco. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, what a race though. I mean, we had we had Aditya Swaminathan getting his he managed to get his PhD in maths during the race. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the way, you know, it was so close the time intervals that you could see that the time interval between each car was somewhat constant. So who yeah, would yeah. trigger the pit stops? Who would be quicker? Would he be quicker on the outlap? Would he be quicker on the inlap? You know, those kind of thoughts really did prevail throughout the race. More than the overtaking. Yeah. It was more of the mind battle or the strategic battle again that played yeah, exactly. uh, a part of that, this race.
0: Yeah, it was the modern Monaco, you know. Uh, yes. I mean, that, there's, no, there's no fun watching the race as it was because, honestly, there's no on-track action. But you move on to the left side of your screen and then you see all the timing intervals. That's where the real fun is. That's why you actually know <laughs> that's that's why the race is going on. The, those time intervals. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's why you, you need to focus on if it's a boring race, because that that gives everything about the strategy, the consistency of the drivers, how how they're how, what what they're doing in the stint. Are they pushing or are they you know uh, saving tires or saving fuel? So uh, I think yeah, what Sidharth said was right. The timing. I mean, I was glued onto the timing intervals. Yeah, same. <laughs> So we can skip right to the pit stops because the pit stops were the only action part of the, the race, basically, if you wanted on-track action. So uh, let's start off with, the. you know, we're going to focus mainly on the top eight this race because that's what was the most interesting part of the race, the, top, the, the battle within the top eight. So, you know, Gasly was the one who initiated the stop. Uh, he did the undercut. So, guys, to give you a bit of context, in Monaco, the longer you stay out, the more time you gain. That means the overcut. That means um, uh, basically going pitting later on in a race is called an overcut. So that works a lot in Monaco. The opposite of that, which is pitting early, is called the undercut. The undercut is not that useful, but Gasly did the undercut. He pitted a bit earlier compared to Lewis Hamilton. So, um, at the same time around Gasly pit, uh, Hamilton pit a lap uh, after Gasly. This meant, yeah, yeah. theoretically, Hamilton should have been ahead of uh, Gasly, but it didn't mean so, because he was stuck, after rejoining after the pits, Uh, uh, Hamilton was stuck behind Gasly and he was fuming on the team radio. Do you think the, the anger on the team radio was justified?
1: Justified, um, yeah. I mean, good question. Um, here's the thing uh, he's fighting for the championship, he knows Max is a you know proper contender this time, and for him going, you know, bawling on that uh, microphone, it is pretty justified uh, that he's He did throw a bit of an attitude because he's trying his best, and Mercedes are known to be. To be tagged with the term perfection, but this race they were far from perfection in terms of strategy. It is just stagnant, stagnant, stagnant. They tried the overcut, or they tried pitting later. Hamilton's outlap was sorry, inlap was pathetic. Uh, So Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it it is justified in a way, but in the same time, you you know, it does create a sense of you know demoralizing uh, thought process if you do ball and that microphone. But I'm sure Mercedes know what they're doing.
0: Yeah and I think Mercedes would understand as well you know I Hamilton is well aware of the fact that Max is in the championship lead when when he's driving out there uh, in in first so yeah in my opinion when you're used to being the best you know anything below it is just not good and I think for me it shows it shows you the hunger Hamilton still has to be the best he could have sat and be like ah, I've won I've won 100 races before but um, he wants mm. to win that's why he's angry. And I think every F1 driver is like that. Yeah, exactly. That shows you the mentality he has. And I don't have a problem with him complaining. Why Why can't he complain? You know, he's entitled yeah, exactly. to who he is. Exactly. So, I don't know what other... I mean, there's a lot of times where Hamilton's complained for the wrong reasons and being called out a crybaby, which w- would be justifiable. But here, in this context, no. Hamilton, Hamilton no has... Yeah, Hamilton has the right, you know, because... It's Pierre Gasly who he was behind. Her. I mean, if you clear Gasly, that's valuable points in the championship. So I think he'd be and batted. if he cleared Gasly, and,
1: he could have had a run
0: at him, uh, Vettel. Yeah, and yeah, to rub salt in the wounds, Fettel was ahead of uh Hamilton as well, so he lost two positions because of the pit stop. Um, okay, going now in chronological order, the next person to pit was. Uh, Hamilton's teammate, Felipe Bottas. Oh boy, was this a moment and a half? Literally, less than a minute later, after Hamilton pit, Mercedes wheel gun absolutely failed on Bottas's right, uh, right front tire. Look at the margins, man. Less than half a minute. If that happened to, it could have happened to Hamilton easily, but it happened to Bottas. That's how fine the margins are. And that would have been huge implications for the championship if it happened to Hamilton. and shows you the mar- margins in the sport.
1: Okay, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a very it, it, This story has two sides to it, and uh, I mean more or less now we all know what happened. So and quite a few fun facts as well. So what happened was what happens is a, a, a tire is set to the wheel axle uh, using an 10 volt, which has spreadings to it. Now the only reason it gets connected. Is because of these treading's and uh, so and then you have a wheel gun which spins at nearly ten thousand RPM. So the botas came. He parked his car. Uh, the mechanic uh, did vroom vroom and tried to remove the wheel, but then you could see metal shards <laughs> throughout, you know, throughout the whole place. And uh, but then you know it, it still did not come out. The wheel did not come out. And then that's when the uh, the, you know, the team decided that he should retire. So what Toto Wolf has said is that it was actually Valtteri Bottas's fault. So what happens is when you come into the pit, you come in and, uh, and then you have to stop at a certain box, uh, a certain space, and then the mechanic will lift the car up and then the tyres are removed and the car is brought back down and then you go. But apparently what happened was Bottas stopped a little behind so what happened is the mechanic had to use the gun at a certain angle. So due to that certain angle, it is not placed properly into the into the you know uh, the chambers of the wheel, and that's why the whole shards started spraying. So in a way, it was Bottas' fault uh, because he. But, sh- he but p- then you can see it's the mechanics'
0: good. Yeah, but you could say it was the mechanics' fault as well for not moving that bit and putting it straight on, right? Exactly.
1: So no, no, no. I'm I'm saying I mean, it. a Wolf has blamed blamed in the sense yeah. as he said that it could have been Walter yeah. Roberts' fault.
0: Yeah, but to me the stop looked right, man. There was might be a few centimeters behind the you know the box. Exactly. Lot, so, but otherwise exactly. it, it was just a bad. It was just bad luck you know you can't yeah, exactly
1: i mean to, to and then, it, then a fun it, fact stop, then Toto will contacted ferrari to remove the wheel <laughs> uh, <laughs> For real? but they couldn't do anything as well
0: really they asked ferrari yeah
1: they contacted but then ferrari tried removing it in monaco itself it didn't work so they uh, took they've taken the car back to brackley and uh, are trying to remove it there it's still intact by the way
0: Oh damn bro. <laughs> I mean if you'd auction that that wheel it would go it would sell for millions. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was big because that meant Carlos Sainz was now second and Lando Norris was in a podium position. This meant yes. every driver in the top eight was you know pushed up. Every driver on the grid was pushed up, of
1: course. Pushed up by uh, one position.
0: Yeah. So now came in the best moment of the race, man. Actually, <laughs> pitting uh around five laps after Hamilton did and Gasly did, yeah. and he I mean these two are driving through Sandoval. and you can see the green Aston Martin of, Rattle exiting the pit lane right beside Pierre Gasly, and they go um, they go up the hill up O'Rivar. and uh, yes. as they're he- heading into Casino Square. The camera just pants and lance through and bouncing yes. over curves. The, the, the
1: Lord himself.
0: Uh bro, I mean so F1 broadcasting has been fantastic over the last few years. But this was yeah. uh, so frustrating. It was so frustrating. Like I thought I honestly thought that that was, I mean, if they if they touched, it would have meant a huge crash. And but they didn't. And Vettel, you know, was aggressive. He squeezed Gasly just a bit and then he took it the to place. And what a move for fifth. That was, that was brilliant. Uh, Siddharth, don't tell them I screamed on call. Uh, just don't don't tell them I, I started jumping around like crazy.
1: <laughs> uh, bro, but man, he, 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 And you know, F1 posts these clips right on boards. So, you know, yeah. then Mercedes engine sounds so good, you could literally hear just after he crossed the line where he could go full throttle, he downshifts yeah. one by one gear. So goes back to third and then he darts. You could, I mean, do you understand, right? He, yeah, he's on yeah, fourth and yeah. fourth and then, and then he goes, man, that was, ah, oh, my that thing. Was
0: really, that was so good. I, that was the moment of the race, you know, just absolutely perfect. Yeah. So now, um, we're going to, obviously, the second stint um, wasn't very exciting. You know, you had Carlos Sainz, who was for a moment faster than Verstappen, but none of the you know drivers really catching up, per se. Uh, you know, but someone who kind of escaped the whole first stint pit stops was Sergio Perez, who was going on super long. At a point, he yeah. was leading the race. Uh, you know, he did his uh, standard model job, which was pit late, pit as late as possible. That's it. Yeah. And uh, you know, Perez did the super super overcut, which he's so good at. It finally came to fruit by giving him fourth place. He started eighth, and he got ahead of Vettel. He he was in fourth, and oh boy, that was a brilliant stint from uh, Sergio. Yeah, He's ninth, and not <laughs> Oh yeah, ninth, ninth as well. But eighth, I'm I'm considering Leclerc. Yeah, know. Know.
1: okay,
0: uh, Mate, there's an echo in your voice. Are you in a different place?
1: No, hmm. I'm in the same place.
0: Bro, it looks like uh, there's a huge echo. No. Yeah, now it's fine. Back to normal. So I'll just continue with the Perez thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, obviously Perez, you know, just went, he you know, blitzed it and he did the overcut and that was brilliant. Again, I'll keep saying it, Perez is a god of the tyres and there's no better place to do it other than Monaco. He's done it before as well. Historically, he's gotten into points, good points playing positions because of his ability. So that was, you know, good to see as well. So, guys, I think we've wrapped up the race pretty well. Um, you know, that was not much on track, but I think the pit stops were definitely interesting. So, you know, we've, made, we've done these social media posts before, but we're going to talk about it a bit more in detail. Uh, this, is, uh, this is best and worst driver from the weekend.
1: Yeah, uh, best, according to me, easily by a mile Sebastian Vettel. Uh,
0: uh, yes, I agree. And you know, the had,
1: worst no, okay, no. okay,
0: okay, yeah, yeah, uh fatal, you know, obviously in that Aston martin, you know, he's been struggling all season and now in Monaco, in such a you know, Monaco is always like a very different track. He showed his experience, he showed why, you know, historically he's, he has been brilliant in Monaco and he showed exactly why you know he saved those tires. He was second fastest, you know, in an Aston Martin uh, for a very long time yes. <laughs> in the first stint, and uh, the brilliant overtake on Pierre Gasly just nailed, nailed it, perfect. And the the, the cherry on the cake was the ring ding a ding was back for fifth place. Uh. I ne- I never thought I never thought I'd hear a battle go ring ding a ding for fifth, but then it's just so satisfying right now. <laughs> it's just super satisfying. Yeah, Fettel, best driver of the weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. And worst, I have two nominees. Uh, Go one on. is Nikita Mazepin.
0: Why mate? He didn't crash. He didn't crash all weekend. He
1: didn't...
0: Yeah, but I mean that uh, he's just been slow. Ah, uh, yeah, fair enough. Are <laughs> uh, the other
1: one? <laughs> and the other is Daniel Ricciardo. Oh yeah.
0: Ricciardo was...
1: I don't like to use the term worst, but he was pretty disappointing. He was very,
0: very disappointing. Um, You know, slow throughout the weekend. Um, 12th in qualifying, that means... uh, 13th or 12th, I'm not sure, but 12th in the race. Ah, What a headache of a weekend that was for Ricciardo. And salt in the wounds. He gets lapped by his teammate who finished on the podium. Uh, that would have that, that would have been a right punch in the gut for Ricciardo.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So, but I think what we can definitely say is Ricciardo uh, you know, he's had poor qualifying sessions in the past two races. Um, and that didn't help this time around because it's Monaco and yeah, is, yeah. I mean, other places, you, you can gain places and stuff, but he needs to fix his qualifying, man. He's just, he's yeah. not on it in quality. In the, in the last two races, he's dropped off big time in quality and that's affecting, that's affecting his performance. Yeah. yeah, so actually,
1: to be honest, you know, his, his, his future in McLaren is pretty bright, see? Uh, his yeah. engineer came on to the radio and said, okay, Daniel, you're doing well on the hearts, you're top, uh, top seven. Keep the the good work, but on the softs, uh, I have another data yeah. again that I did not know previously. He was thirteenth on the softs.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that that shows you because you drive a, a quality on softs, right? Yeah, it shows it. It goes hand in hand, and yeah, man, he's he's got a uh, he's he, as he said he's got to forget it and move on to Baku, which yeah, he's been yeah. good at. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think. We've reached the checkered flag to our podcast.
1: Before we... Yeah, before brilliant, uh, brilliant uh, recording.
0: Before we uh, conclude everything, we'd like to give a shout-out to our two fantasy winners. In The Spanish uh, Grand Prix was won by Vishwas and the Monaco Grand Prix was won by Divi. And guys, the fantasy is ultra-competitive. Monaco is such a good weekend, you know. Uh, so guys, join it. Obviously, it it is... Uh, it has monetary risk involved, so do join at your own uh, risk. I guess I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah, please do yeah,
1: join.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> DMS for details. Uh, another thing is follow our Instagram if you haven't already. I'm pretty sure if you're here, you're you are from our Instagram. So do follow us, like our posts, comment, get involved, guys. We wanna start a conversation. You know, share your opinions on the race. Share it. You know, we'd like to hear different sides of the story. So, see you guys at Baku. Ciao.